I'm very excited to share this recording with you guys, which happened at our conference, sasopen.com, with over 100 speakers, all founders of B2B SaaS companies. We have a very high bar for what speakers share on stage, so you're going to enjoy this episode where we dive deep into revenue graphs, real tactics, and real growth metrics. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hey, everyone. My name is Samir, CEO and co-founder of GetAccept. First time entrepreneur, so don't take everything that I say as a truth. It's my first time going through this. Although, went through Y Combinator back in the days. Got from zero to 200K in two months. Scale GetAccept now to almost 200 employees at 15 million of ARR. Actually closed a quite big deal. I say 20 million, and how doesn't that match with the 15 then? Yeah, it was the Series B fundraise, which we closed, which I didn't count as a deal. Anyways, love sales, but also love product. So if you don't want to talk sales, you can also talk product with me. Family, two kids, uh, wife. So yes, you can run a business without getting gray hair and have two kids and family. And if I don't work or spend time with my family... This is me jumping out on an airplane, love to get adrenaline rushes. My HR uh, boss said to me, like, when we get 100 employees, you jump out of the airplane with the 100 employee as a part of the contract. I was super happy. The other one wasn't as happy as I. So that said, my purpose today is to really give you concrete takeaways. Uh, anything that you can start using today to improve your sales. So let's take it off. Uh, I'm divided up into two different tracks. One is more of the strategic management. Do we have any founders here, C-level? Some, well, hopefully you get some there. Do we have any sales leaders? Perfect. So we'll talk first about aligning the sales leadership with the different growth phases. We'll talk about measuring the right things. Then we'll head over to the sales part and the high growth sales organizations and how you should secure a hiring process. So first of all, the sales leadership. I've thought some things through this journey, and one of them is like in the early, early phase, the hustle phase, as I call it, the zero to two million ARR, you as a founder must go and do sales. That's like how hard it can feel being a, maybe a developer and not doing sales then. This is what you need to do. But maybe you sometimes need some help. And what is important then is to not hire to high in the hierarchy. So you should hire some sales manager. If you are recruiting and someone comes in and say that they want some kind of C-level position, CRO or whatever, that's not the person that should get on board. Really important. We have done that mistake. Uh, you will get the person who's not ready to get their hands dirty. So please don't hire anyone on a C-level position there in the early days. Although do not hire anyone who's too junior. Sometimes that happens out. What will happen then is you need to hold their hand every single deal and teach them. I mean, what I was thinking back in the days was I want someone who has that full sales cycle experience. They should be able to do the calls, pick up the phone, get that meeting in, run the meeting, and also close it. Perfect person to hustle with you in the early days. 
Next one is don't hire any that's too far from your business. Meaning you can find a sales manager maybe who's been in selling phone subscriptions, let's say. But if that doesn't go hand in hand what you do, you will teach them all about what ARR is. You will teach them about how you go to market, uh, all those things that you don't have time to teach them because they need to be out selling your product, right? So think of these in the hustle period. Next one is a really tricky, two to 10 million. If you go, want to go from two to 10 million really quick, uh, here's where you can really hire someone who can help you. Uh, First of all, don't hire anyone who has hired a couple of sales reps in his, in his or her life. Um, I didn't do that error myself, but uh, I've seen some do that. What you need is you need someone who's really kick-ass at hiring. And what I learned from Silicon Valley is that if you get that person in, they will also bring their team with them. So they're up and running directly. And yeah, here you can save a lot of time. Next one is you don't want someone who's been in a small, slow-growing environment because that is not what, it, what will happen when you go from 2 to, 20, to 10 million in maybe 1, 2, or maybe even 3 years. Things will break. Things will go wrong. You need one who has experience from building different kind of sales team that needs to be able to adapt when things don't go your way, right? And last but not least, don't go out and hire kick-ass sales reps. That's really tempting sometimes. He or she has been selling really well. Let's take that person in. Now you're building teams. So you need a leader. You need someone who can align with you and your sales culture or your company culture overall. So think through this. Question? Yeah, uh, you said hire someone with a network, but then uh, they have to have like, industry knowledge or in your segment, things like that. What do you find with the relationship between sales leader and customer experience way outside your segment versus people that know your market? I would always go for the one who knows my market as... Yeah, that's the best. But they don't have to be exactly in your market. Like they don't have to be selling what you are providing right now. Yeah. So for example, we sell sales tech. So if they've been selling sales tech, they've been talking to the same, same kind of... Okay, yeah, that's more, more hustling. Okay, so next one, 10 to 15. As I said, we are at 15. So this is where I'm still learning, been recruiting a little bit here. Uh, so I don't have the truth here, but what I've been seeing so far is when I've been interviewing and an interview person's RC level, but they've been on the same company for very long and been growing there in a very nice way, I've seen that they come with the same stories the whole time. Oh, we should do like we did in this company, but it's always the same company that they refer to, meaning they will most likely not have the experience to change and do new things. So this is something that also comes down to has been successful in one market or with one business. If you want to go from 10 to 50 million, maybe you need to add new revenue streams. Most likely you need to go out to a new market, right? Just one little thing. One thing you need to put in here is to be prepared to pay to get the right team. Because everything on the left is saving money. Everything on the right is paying a premium. Which is fine, but I think that, I think, I know I would say, oh my goodness, Yeah, I've done that error also. Not spending and you think you're going to get it. We all think we're getting a deal. Yeah. The salesperson that has all this personal trade because we're saving money. So if you're not willing to spend, you're not on the right side. Perfect. Yeah, I totally agree. Done that error. Uh, last but not least, when you are above 10 million, 15 million of ARR, 
people do recognize you. The guy was talking about brand. People have started to recognize you, and people will admire you and your company, most likely. And that's something that I at least now experience. Like, I don't want anyone who has admired my company. I want someone coming to me as a CEO, challenge me, saying, hey, Samir, this is how we should do it, and this is why we should do it. If I go say no, he will still talk to me and try to pursue that that motion that he knows works or whatever it is. So super important things. Going to the next one, ensure your, uh, ensure your direction and know your speed. And this is something that we did error or big error in the early days. We always watched the, the lagging indicator versus the leading indicators. Maybe everyone understands this, but we were doing this wrong too long. We looked at the photo album that tells us where we have been, what photos we have been taking, etc., etc. You need to get that compass up. You need to know where you're heading, where your goal is. Are you pointing towards the right direction? So this is super important. And you need to figure out your own metrics. But MQLs, in our way, we track relevant web visitors, meaning someone that comes from a certain campaign that we know is working that is converting to MQLs. ARR, pipeline generation, gross churn, activation and product engagement, etc., etc. So find your leading metrics and do it quick if you don't have them so that you know if you're moving towards the right direction, right? So now we'll head over on the second track. We'll talk a little bit about characteristics of a high-growth company. So when I talk about high-growth companies, it's the ones that are growing the quickest. So in the, in the early stage there, they're growing with 2x, 3x, uh, and then, yeah, of course, it declines. But that said, one thing that really uh, stood out to me was I thought that every high-growth company had everything coming from inbound, right? So actually, it is not true at all. 50% of the pipe source from marketing and it dropping with deal size. So you need to do something else than just rely on marketing, right? And what that is is actually that you need to have this SDR team. No big news, but it is actually... 2x likely that SDRs are in a company that when it's a high growth company. And they're focusing, as you can see, on outbound. So they're not mixing them up. The next one on this, which we missed quite a lot, was how to put the ratio. That, of course, depends now how high, how high is your ACV. What can you then cover if you are adding up too many SDRs? But the most common setup is 1 to 1 or 2 to 1 on AEs and SDRs. Next one is where we missed out a lot. We took in a lot of SDRs. We had them get going, but we didn't really focus if they were super successful. Like it's an entry position, let them go like as long as they do their calls. But what's actually true is like if their quota attainment are dropping, and as you can see, you want to be on the 82% there. If they're dropping, it's a significant decrease in what the AE then can cover. So make sure that your SDRs are successful and are set up for success. It's maybe your most important team. Next one is, this is a really tough one, because when you are trying to cut costs, you are just adding the, the AEs. And I think it, in tops, we had 18 AEs on one manager. That was tricky. <laughs> Someone is laughing. But this is where the magic happens. Everyone talks about that we want 80 over 80, right? So... As soon as you hit seven AEs on one manager, it drops significantly. So this is where we try to be at the moment. We have one that is up on 10. Uh, so we're trying to get seven, uh, seven AEs on one manager. So super important. And that was around the part with, with high growth and how to set up the organization. Last but not least, and we'll talk about a little bit about hiring. And I... 
This is a, a tip I got from a, from, from a smart sales leader. I was in, in San Francisco, and I was like, oh, what, what's, the, what's the magic here for getting sales done in a good way? He said, like, yeah, but hire good sales reps. And I, I was quite young, and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. I went, and I was like, what the hell does that mean? How do I do that? And he was gone. But that said, we have actually managed to do this in a quite well way. We are hiring quite many and, and have generated our own process. First of all, what we have seen working really well is that you have your own internal recruiting team. We've tried external. It doesn't work, at least not for me. Because when we have it internal, they know your culture. They know your business. They know your product, your offering, what's happening around the, around the corner. But they can also adapt. Because when you are running a startup, a growth startup, everything will change more or less weekly, monthly at least. So they need to be able to adapt. So get an internal recruitment team and get it fast. Next one is to have a data approach. I love gut feeling. My stomach has a really good, <laughs> good feeling. Um, no, but in the early days, we more or less hired only on gut feeling. Uh, but uh, when we got that internal recruitment team and a good team up and running, we also combined that with data. So we have set up, for example, profiles. We use a tool called AssessU. So to, uh, a profile on good reps, for example. And we can then say, when someone doing a test before getting into an interview, uh, we know if they are matching towards that good profile. It actually works very, very well. I was uh, not that positive to this, uh, this setup at the early stage. But it works fantastically. It's a lethal weapon when hiring. Next case, uh, next one is having a case interview. How many do case interviews in their sales? No? Some? This is like super important. This is the most important thing that we do. We have crafted a case for every role. It even differs dependent on where they are in the world. But a case that is 30 minutes, they come in and they do a certain thing that is in the case. It's super good because not only do you see their skill sets, strengths, and weaknesses so that you know if they're matching your team, uh, they also understand if they want to work at your place selling this product, for example, because that is what they maybe will be doing in that case. So that some people jump off on that case, say, hey, it wasn't really what I thought it was selling this, this kind of yeah, tool that you're selling. Uh, and one thing, when you do that, don't only use the, the manager in that, that case interview Put in a couple of your team members from the team. Help them get, uh, get into the recruiting model. They will also feel very much more engaged at the getting people. A little bit more responsible getting them onboarded. And next is having a very quick contract process. This were some, where, uh, when we got new managers in, some were really like, oh, we had a, this case, super good, perfect candidate. We'll get them up and kicking. But uh, yeah, they just wanted to think during the next week and then they get back, back to us. I was like, no, 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 no. You need to get them signed now. Like, if they are perfect, like, why should you wait the week? What, what are they waiting a week for? I don't know. They just wanted to think about it. What are they thinking about? Get them in and be aligned on this. So this is super important also or you will miss the best reps out there. And last but not least, the onboarding. We have a very rigid onboarding, two full weeks, including evenings. They come to our office, our HQ. Uh, everyone gets a, uh, the same onboarding, um, and they get clear plan for the first period, clear expectations where you should be when it comes to all the different assignments that you have. Uh, and also, of course, then we continue the training across the next three to six months. So. That is a part of the onboarding process. Last but not least, then, I said it before, but now this is the last tips, uh, 
is building a sales Bible. That was something that we did in the early, early days. So first sales call I had, I summarized a little bit what it was, took out the good hidden gems in there, put it into our sales Bible, which was more or less just an Excel sheet or a Google Docs sheet. And then that became a Google page uh, and just filled it up, filled it up, repeatedly, repeatedly filled it up. When someone was doing a good case, we filled it up. We added the sales process, how to do the outbound, everything. And when we start then recruiting and got our first five, 10 reps in, we could just post them in here. They got a lot of headway there or, or, or room to, to yeah, just, just start selling very much more quickly and ramping quick, more quickly. And last but not least, what we have been doing in the latest is that we try to understand what we need to train on the different reps. Because not everyone needs to train exactly the same thing. I think that's the original um, error that you do. You have these boost sessions where you get everyone in and you're training negotiation. But maybe 50% of your team already know how to negotiate. Why spend two hours on that, right? So you need, everyone has been this guy, training only the upper body. Maybe need to train a little bit of legs here. So what we have done, and this is not exactly our process, but this is a very simple one that everyone can understand. If you need to get to those 600K a year, it's at 50 per month, just do it backwards. Figure out what are your conversion points at the moment when it is as best. And then you'll figure out how many appointments, books you need, et cetera, et cetera. And what is then really interesting is to see, match this on every rep that you have. You can do it for an AE, but you can also do it for an SDR, et cetera. But match it up. And then when you see that someone drops on the demo performed to, to identify stakeholders, that's when you also see that that person will not hit targets. And that's where that person needs training, right? So figure that out and don't do any boost sessions for everyone on the same topic. If it isn't like a new feature or something that you're releasing that you know that everyone needs to train, right? And yeah, that was about it. Any questions? It's an SDR team manager. Okay, so completely separate. Yeah. And what's the SDR relationship? Uh, at our place, it's two to one. So two. Oh, they, it's like, I think the most standard way, like they book the deal, they get in, in the bigger ones, depending on the, the possibility on ACV, they're on the first meeting or not. Uh, and then, yeah. Uh, AE and CS, yeah. yeah, they have a big relationship because they need to hand over uh, what has been sold, etc. So I think they're always like a handover meeting that is at least 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that's how we set up. But one on one or two to one is the most common. Yeah, two AEs, one SDR. Yeah. But depends on ACV what you can cover. Any more questions? A case interview, like the most simple one is that they come in and sell your product. Uh, and you state different like challenges on top of that so that they, for example, need to meet a certain decision maker or, or whatever you want to figure out from that person. Uh, then combine that. Sometimes you need to tweak the case interview because you have 
a team of four at the moment and you need maybe more expertise on negotiation in the team and then maybe put the case interview to be more leaning towards a negotiation process than maybe demo and, and, and pain and, and a solution selling. Yeah. Thank you.